Welcome back to our new season, Green Bites by Sustainable Asia. I'm Shermaine Lee, and I'm Bonnie Ao. Green Bites is a weekly show that delivers our handpicked news roundup on green stories in Asia that you should know about. This week, we're covering China's Belt and Road Fund pullout from Bangladesh's coal mines and power plants, South Korea's five-year blueprint to handle overfishing, the 10-year anniversary of horrific Fukushima earthquake and nuclear disaster, Indian ponds springing back to life, and of course, our promise of green innovation for the week: Singapore's floating solar farms. After China pushed its most green-focused five-year plan last Friday, Financial Times reported recently that the country will halt its funding of coal mines and power plants in Bangladesh. It is seen as part of its campaign to keep Belt and Road investments sustainable. China's embassy to Bangladesh reportedly said the move to pull out funding is due to these projects' high pollution and energy consumption. The two countries agreed back in 2016 that China would invest a 3.6 billion U.S. dollar loan in Bangladesh infrastructure as part of the burgeoning Belt and Road Initiative at the time. Experts said that since this move from China is quite rare, it's hard to tell if the country is moving away from their other funds in coal projects. Vietnam is by far the largest recipient of overseas energy investment from Chinese companies. The Chinese Commercial Bank and State Utility South Grid are in talks to finance the Finta Three coal power plant that triggered backlashes from the region's climate activists. That's right, and in fact, a study in 2019 stated that if countries in the Belt and Road Initiative receive no funds for its renewable energy and green tech, they will be a major polluter in 2050, accounting for over half of the whole world's carbon emissions. China seems to be backing out from polluting projects after it released a list in December last year to discourage polluting project investments. While Chinese companies are increasingly committed to renewable project investments, experts said commercial deals might not always follow the national sustainability agenda. And elsewhere in East Asia, South Korea also released a five-year plan on Monday. The blueprint seeks to overhaul the country's management of its fishery resources as climate change has adversely impacted the local fisheries industry. Authorities hope to pump up fishery resources to four million tons by 2025 by extending the current policy limiting the fish catch to over half of all species in the country. Whales' livelihood is high on the country's animal protection agenda. It will promote the use of safer fishing equipment so that boats won't harm them by accident. And by 2022, South Korea will install underwater structures in 50 locations, which will be a home for marine species to inhabit and reproduce. And moving on to highlight in Japan, the past week we saw the 10-year anniversary of the Fukushima earthquake, which unleashed a huge tsunami that caused one of the most severe nuclear disasters in modern history. And the effects from the nuclear accident are still haunting Japanese now and decades to come. In 2011, a magnitude 9 earthquake shocked Japan's northeastern coast. 
which was later battled by a gigantic tsunami and led to the meltdown of three nuclear reactors at the Fukushima Daiichi plant on the coast. The deadly incident killed about 20,000 people, and at least 160,000 people had to be evacuated. As the region is highly contaminated with radioactive particles, recovery has been challenging. The Japanese government has spent about 300 billion U.S. dollars so far to rebuild the tsunami-hit region, but Fukushima plants are still off limits to humans due to its high radiation levels. Now, the Japanese government is encouraging former Fukushima residents to return by providing them financial aid, but many are reluctant to go back. A 67-year-old vegetable farmer who was evacuated at the time told Reuters that she doesn't see a life there and is worried that the nuclear reactors could blow again. She added that the only way to make her feel safe again there is the complete removal of the radioactive cores in Fukushima, but that would take decades to finish. The accident has left a scar on her and most Japanese people. That might explain why over 85% of the population are still worried about nuclear accidents, according to a public TV survey in Japan. The Japanese newspaper Asahi published a survey in February, which show that over half of the nation are still opposed to restarting reactors. In the first half of 2020, nuclear plants only powered 6% of Japan's energy. It means the resource-poor Japan will have a hard time resuming the role of nuclear power plants in its energy portfolio on its path to carbon neutrality by 2050. And some positive news this week. A community in India managed to revive an almost dry pond in Saligao in the state of Goa. Local residents pulled out trash and invasive marine species before replanting native plants and restoring the pond's water flow. A government report estimated that by 2030, at least 40% of India's 1.3 million people will have no reliable access to drinkable water. So this transformation is an encouraging success to the country that has seen the worst water crisis in its history just in 2018. In the country's southern Tamil Nadu state, over 1,000 women from 21 villages started working together to build rainwater harvesting structures four years ago to revive their driving Naganadi River. They built recharged wells that trap rainwater runoff from roofs and roads to provide more drinkable water to their own region. A local charity managed to combine villagers' knowledge with technical advice from geologists, eventually resuscitating the drying regions back to life. The benefits are far more than just environmental. The government pays the women in these rural areas through an employment scheme, while charities fund studies and monitor the execution of such recovery efforts. As the world is suffering from pandemic-induced economic downturn, these projects recruited migrant workers who were stranded at home during lockdown. And here comes our weekly coverage of green innovation in the region. The Landscare Singapore is now building one of the world's largest floating solar farms. The new project is under development at Tanga Reservoir that covers an area the size of 45 football pitches. It will mount 122,000 solar panels, which are expected to power the nation's water treatment plants, and a reduction of carbon emissions equivalent to removing 7,000 cars on the roads. 
And this is in line with the government's green plan released last month that aims to boost its solar energy use fourfold to around 2% of the country's energy needs by 2025, which can generate enough electricity for 350,000 households a year. A newly built solar farm in the country, smaller than the ongoing one, has 13,000 solar panels anchored to the seabed along the coast into the Yahoo Strait. It can produce 5 megawatts of electricity, enough for 1,400 flats energy consumption for an entire year. That's all for this week's Green Bites. Please share your thoughts with us on our social media platforms with the hashtag ShareYourBite. Please subscribe to our podcast channels for more content and share them with your friends and family. To find out more about us, visit our website sustainableasia.co and follow us on Twitter at Sustainable Asia or Facebook Sustainable Asia Co.